This is episode 39 with Denise Vera. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. Denise Vera is a passionate woman with an enduring dream to create and inspire. She's a high-end fashion designer that is breaking into this tough industry with an authentic bang. Denise has had the honor of working with many amazing professionals in the industry. She's dressed Victoria's Secret Models, Disney Stars, Miss Universe Australia, elite athletes such as Candice Falzone, model presenters such as Jacinta Franklin, other entrepreneurs and Sydney fashion bloggers. As you can imagine, Brett Robbo from Cobar isn't very fashionable, but I'm proud to have Denise on the podcast because she's such a beautiful soul and has learned life lessons through her family struggles and her own internal battles. As like all of us humans, Denise has had to develop her mindsets and learn tools and habits along her journey to help to help keep her in alignment. And it was great to hear this unfold a lot in the second half of the chat. I didn't know anything about this part of Denise's life until we spoke. So to hear her experiences and how she's utilized the help of professionals and mentors to help learn the tools and habits she can implement into her own life is a great lesson for us all. And remember, if you want to learn tools, habits, and strategies to optimize your life, You can join my six-week program, an interactive online program that will teach you how to create clarity in your life through goal setting and vision planning. You'll think differently and create helpful mindsets. You'll definitely improve your emotional intelligence, establish your values, and join an accountability group to help keep you in alignment. This part is awesome. We'll also have special guest appearances from world-class athletes and coaches and health practitioners and other leaders who will be interacting with you in your group. Jump onto yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash coaching to find out more information and to claim your spot. And I'm actually keeping places quite limited so we can interact in the online groups better so you'll get the most out of this opportunity. Before we dive in, I want to take this opportunity to read another iTunes review and say a massive thank you to everyone who's taken the time and effort to rate and review this podcast because, as you know, that's what truly keeps this podcast alive. This one is from Simon Clemens and he says, Brett, you and all the people you interview on this program have inspired me and completely changed the way I look at life. First time podcaster and I'm hooked. Keep up the good work, legend, and I can't wait for more to come. Yeah, Simon. Welcome to the rabbit hole of personal and professional development within the podcasting world. That's funny. I remember being a first time podcaster almost three years ago now 
and I'm still as addicted as ever. There's no better way to learn and be inspired in any topic you desire. A massive thanks, Simon, for those words and your time and effort to give that five-star rating on iTunes. I'm so grateful. Okay, let's hear from the beautiful soul of Denise Vera. Denise, admittedly, I know very little about fashion, but I have a lot of respect for your craft as I see it as an art. Can you please tell us what is macrame and how did you get into this area of fashion? That's so funny. It's very random that I started doing this form of textiles, but it's, I think the best way to explain it is, you remember the pot hangers that hang in your home and it's knotted and you'd sit a pot in there and it just sits there and you don't really take much notice of it, but it looks pretty. (laughs) That's macrame. That's my textile art form that I use to create dresses. And I, I'm just picturing that actually. I don't remember them in my home, but I might remember them in my grandparents' or my great-grandparents' home. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a bit of an old – but it's coming back. It's, it's making its way back into our homes because, yeah, macrame is just everywhere. It's kind of being used in fashion a lot at the moment and also – for wall hangings and interior design, it's it's a big thing at the moment. <laughs> well, I've checked Randomly. out a lot of your gear online, and it looks absolutely amazing. That's what I said. It's like an art form to me. But how how what made Thank you get you. into this? Did you just go to your parents' place or your grandparents and actually take it off the wall and start fiddling with it, or where did this <laughs> love for macrame come from? It's a story that's linked to my parents' heritage. So my parents are Chilean. And I was traveling through South America just before I graduated at UTS. I was doing a Bachelor of Design in Fashion and Textiles. And I suppose I was just looking around for inspiration. I I didn't really go on this trip to find what to do for my final work, but I did, I just had my feelers out. You know, I just had my heart open to hearing people's stories or or seeing different, you know, textile art um, crafts. So, yeah, so I went on this trip and I was walking through a little desert town with my friend and some people started, you know, calling me over, come have a look at our, our jewellery. And they, it was just a few guys selling some jewellery on the floor in the middle of the park. And, yeah, these, these artisans were selling macrame art jewellery. So it's hand-knotted jewellery. So some of the pieces had little stones or beads and it was necklaces, bracelets, uh, rings. And I just fell in love. I was just hooked from the very moment that I saw these pieces because they were so intricate and the colors were beautiful and and these these artisans were just so passionate about it and I just loved everything about it so I asked the seller or I first obviously bought a few and then I asked him how do you do this how do I learn and it turns out that I just sat down with him for the next few hours and he made me a ring and he put it on my finger and and then I made a ring and then that was the first macrame piece that I made right there on the spot sitting on the floor in this little desert town in Chile <laughs> So that's where it started. Brilliant. And nothing blossomed from you guys making a ring for each other? Is this a love story that developed on the streets of a Chilean desert town? No, not at all. Okay. I, my, um, 
<laughs> but a friendship indeed. We we did become really close friends and we spent the next few days together just knotting. He, he, I had a watch at the time and he took the straps off the watch and I nodded. He showed me how to knot the straps and I knotted my straps and then I started just sourcing all these new materials and I went crazy. I bought all these stones on the street and I just started making things for, I made a, a bracelet for my partner. I made bracelets for my little cousins and, and that's where it started. But then I flew back to Australia and I had to start making this graduation collection. So I just kind of took it up in scale and started draping these big, thicker cords over the mannequin. And I just, I, I was just feeling so inspired at the time by all of this beautiful art that I'd seen in Chile and just started making garments. And my teachers thought I was crazy. They said, you know, this is, it's going to take you so long. You don't have enough time to make a whole collection with these intricate knots, but I said, I have to, I just have to, this all happened for a reason. So that's how it all began. And I think then, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, like you said, it's it's coming back in Australia and you're obviously playing a big part in that and it would have been, it must have been hard for you to, to find this art and this material and trying to burst into the fashion scene to not just make your work stand out but from something that had sort of disappeared off the market and you've been working with a lot of high-end big personalities how how did it work for you to actually break back into the market with your grandparents teapot covers (laughs) (laughs) it really all began on the night of my graduation show so I think all the way up to the point that I you know, these pieces went down the runway. I really did not know how it would be received. It was just hours of me staring at a mannequin in the design studios. So I I really didn't know, you know, what people would make of it, I suppose. But then I did my presentation and I actually won an award with the New South Wales Business Chamber. And I submitted a business plan for my business, Denise M. Vera, and I got runners up. So with that, came mentorship and also some prize cash. But on the night of my graduation runway show, I actually kind of sold my first garment. (laughs) I presented the collection and I got a message and, you know, it said, I'd love for you to make this dress for me. So that's kind of where it all started. And then I I sent a few of my garments to a blogger that I, I followed at the time and she wore a few of my garments and straight away, my Instagram that had maybe like 10 photos of stuff that I was doing at uni. It just started going crazy. I was getting, you know, inquiries from all over the world. It was so odd and just really exciting. (laughs) So it blew up pretty fast for you and obviously you did some great work beyond that because that Instagram profile that you speak of, my fiancé and I have spent quite a bit of time looking at it. Like I said, (laughs) I'm I'm not very aware of fashion but it's a beautiful page to look at. Thank you so much. Thank you. That really means a lot. It's an interesting thing, the whole social media world but Something that's been really positive that I've gotten out of it is I suppose the I have the ability to look back and see my my journey and my story you know on my Instagram feed and it 
I think that's also been really helpful to to me in like realigning my the value of my of my label I suppose sometimes it's kind of gone down a different direction that I haven't really wanted it to and you know I'll look at my feed and say is this really what I'm about you know I'm all about craftsmanship and and you know making people feel good in the garments and inspiring people and yeah I think that at the moment I'm really proud of of what I'm putting out there because I think that it is you know adding value and and making people feel good. (laughs) That's really cool to hear you say that about your own food, actually. I love that about social media when it's done properly. It it can be like a digital photo album for you. So it's cool that you can look back at it like that and and assess and and use it as a steering mechanism almost for you to realize, okay, I think I need to make a few changes here to keep in line with my values and that inspiration that you're working towards. Yes, exactly. It's so true. Okay, Denise, I'm really keen to learn more about fashion from you because I definitely need some tips, but we're also going to dive deep into your very interesting story. And before we do, I just want to say, Mm -hmm. Denise, welcome to your life of impact. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be speaking with you. And I'm so excited that before we started recording, you told me this is your first podcast. I love it when I have people on the podcast for the first time. Yay, I'm so excited about that as well. <laughs> now, we've been connected through a legend of a mutual friend of ours, Kath Cashel from The Kindness Factory, who I sat with for an earlier episode on this podcast. And she blew our minds with her story and her humility and mindset to just tackle life through kindness despite all her challenges and I believe Mm. Kath stayed with you on one of her adventures that's how you guys got connected yes that's right I can't say a bad thing about Kath and I could every time I speak with her she just blows my mind she's such a special person and yeah I'm really excited that she linked us up but yes we hosted her when she went on her kindness journey because of my my parents were just so blown away by her story and my sister knows her through mutual friends so we just kind of were all blown my whole family we just all wanted to to speak with her and to feed her Chilean you know Chilean a Chilean feast (laughs) and have her over our house and just show her so much love and (laughs) hug her and (laughs) yeah we were really excited about that and it was such a beautiful experience for all of us it really was I could imagine she talks about that in the in the podcast about her kindness journey it sounded like a lot of fun actually but So you speak very highly of Kath. Kath speaks very highly of you, Denise, and she said your family values, and you just mentioned your family there, ingrained very deeply within you. What was your upbringing like with your family? Wow, it's just so much love, I so much support. My dad actually taught me how to sew, so I think that both my parents are just such strong individuals. Their story has really been the pathway to my journey. I really do believe that because a lot of people say to me, Denise, how do you do what you do? You know, how do you 
work late nights and all of this. And it really is because I've gained this strength that's just trickled down from my parents because my parents have just lived this amazing journey, this hard, tough journey. They arrived to Australia as political refugees in 1984. And I was born in 1989. Yeah, their first few years here were really tough. They didn't know anyone. They had nothing. They actually just arrived here with my sister, who was, I think, two at the time, and just a blanket and, you know, one suitcase or something because they just didn't know if they'd have to sleep on the street. They they had no idea what they were coming to. So yeah, blown away by my parents because they've just worked so hard to have what they have today, which is so inspiring to me and just makes me work hard, I suppose, because they blew me away. What are some of those challenges? Do they share their their stories with you that they've been through or do they just lead by example? Uh, slowly over the years, the stories have started coming out, but at a really young age, I, I knew the story. My My dad was imprisoned at the time of the dictatorship in Chile. My dad was really involved with at university. He was studying electrical engineering at the time and he was also an activist. He was very strong-minded about what he believed in and I suppose people found out about that, people who wanted to, to hurt him. And so at that time of the dictatorship, my dad was framed and some explosives were put into his dorm room and he, yeah he he was imprisoned for that reason but it was he was innocent it took 13 months to prove his innocence so he was imprisoned for 13 months of his life and as soon as he he got out he was still in danger so my parents had to flee so my parents had a choice of i think it was canada australia or Switzerland and they kind of just looked at the line of the equator and said oh well Australia's Sydney's you know similar in in weather so let's go there so my parents just left everything behind and started started new in this new country I can't imagine how much how tough that must be it's always amazing listening to older generation stories there's so much we can learn from just talking with older people we can learn years worth of lessons just from having one conversation i love it that's so true it sounds like your parents are and have been and still are really close massive mentors of yours in your life and your journey they absolutely are yes definitely i i think throughout the years we've all kind of heard my dad's story my dad's side of the story which was you know his imprisonment and you know, the, the the mental torture that, that took place and all of the emotional trauma. But only recently I really started seeing the value, or not seeing the value, just hearing my mum's side of the story more and learning a lot about what she went through at the time as well. And that's been, it's just been so inspiring to me to hear to hear my mum's side because it, it was kind of a story that was untold. But, but yeah, as I said, it's their, their strength, I suppose, it lives on within me and, and within my siblings' lives because I suppose we're all doing kind of very interesting things in our own fields <laughs> and just really working hard to live or 
pursue our parents' legacies, as I suppose. What were some of the things that they speak about? I can't imagine what it would be like for them to land in Australia as political refugees in 1985. It must have been a bit of a, an unsettled territory for them. It wouldn't have been easy for them to just find work and, and fall into the workplace and actually build the lives that they have. Yeah, that's right. I think it was is really, really hard time for my parents. But my, my mum especially, well, both of my parents were leaving all of their family, family behind, but but my mum, you know, really took it really hard. You know, she she spent a long time crying and, and not being able to come to terms with, with what was going on. But, you know, my parents just became this really strong unit and just worked together. And actually their first job was handing out newspapers. So my mum, who was pregnant with my brother at the time, would sit on the back of the station wagon and my my dad would drive the car and and she'd just throw these big new these newspapers out the out the back and and that was their first job but actually what i love about when my parents told me that story was that my mum is such a fighter that my dad told me that my mum would throw them so hard and so far and and she'd be so precise with the way that she threw them because she wanted to get the newspaper right in front of the front door <laughs> and she'd almost fly with with the with the newspaper that actually one time my dad was driving and she kind of launched one out so far that she actually fell out and and my dad kept driving and kind of looked back and was like where did she go <laughs> luckily my my mum you know she didn't fall in a dangerous way or anything but but yeah that's that I love that story because it's just like this that's little commitment. snapshot <laughs> such commitment <laughs> that's real commitment to your craft what about for you Denise growing up with refugee parents and going to school in Australia was there challenges for you I don't remember feeling left out or I didn't feel any racism towards me or anything like that. And I think that really is because of the way that my parents taught us to be, though. I think they made us really strong. They made us fighters. So, you know, we, we all have quite strong personalities. So maybe, you know, if we didn't have that strength, we would have experienced more. Maybe we would have experienced some bullying or tough times throughout our childhood but no I don't remember going through really hard my parents just worked so hard for us that I I do remember like my childhood just being really special really beautiful upbringing with a lot of camping and family time and and trips overseas to visit our our family that we'd left behind we did go to Chile we tried to visit our family every every few few years and my mum is a Spanish teacher actually so she really ensured that the the culture lived on within us and I think that meant that we all really just embraced our culture and yeah we we weren't ashamed in any way we we were proud to be Chilean we were proud of our background you know, my friends in primary school knew about my dad's story. I wasn't afraid to share it because it just, it's our story and I'm proud of it. Brilliant. That's good to hear. And humble is a word that comes up 
with your name when I speak to Kath, when I reached out to you to ask you to come onto the podcast with a video message and said, I'm intrigued by your story, keen to get you on and share your value. And you actually sent one back saying, thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored. I'd be grateful to come on. But you said, I don't actually think I've got a much of a, uh, a story, but I just work hard. And it sounds like from <laughs> from the way that you talk about your parents and what you mentioned before about the way that your friends comment on you, some of the traits that have been instilled in with you is that commitment, that dedication, that pride and just that passion towards your craft. Yes, yeah. I suppose oh, there's this really good quote on somebody that I heard, I think, in a documentary an adventure documentary, it was, don't just do what the world needs, do what makes you come alive because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. And I love that. that really resonated with me so much because, you know, even I've been doing this for four years now, going on to my fifth year doing my fashion label full time. And I've gone through ups and downs. I've gone through times where I really doubt myself, doubt what I'm doing, I think, you know, why aren't I out there helping people? Why why am I creating garments? You know, just all of these negative things that go through, you know, one's mind. I've gone through that those moments. But then I suppose once I realign myself and, you know, do a bit of meditation and a little bit of just self-care, I suppose, and then I come, become in tune with myself again and I realise what I'm doing is special because I, I love what I do and I'm able to make my clients feel incredibly special in the garments that I make for them. And I think that the way that I work and, and how much I love my work, it rubs off on people and, and I love that. And, and, and I think from feedback that people have given me, I, I just I love that, that what I do, you know, the things that I make, you know, make people happy. That's brilliant. Like you said, you bring that aspect into your garments. What is it like for the humble Denise uh, working, bringing your just pride and passion and humility into your craft to work with some high-end fashion models and I believe you work with a lot of brides as well. What is there some per- <laughs> is there some interesting personalities to to mix with? Is it challenging for you as a person or do you just enjoy that real mix? I really enjoy the mix. I I have worked with a bunch of people. I've I've worked with lots of stylists and photographers, and I can't say that I've ever worked with somebody that I definitely wouldn't work with again. I I can't say that because even though I've had you know a a plethora of experiences, good and bad, you know situations where you know my high end handmade garments have been lost, or you know somebody hasn't credited my work or some little things like that that happen in the fashion in the fashion world there's always a lesson to be learned and you know if if some there's somebody i've worked with who didn't treat me with respect or or wasn't the ni- a nice person i just learn from that because i just remind myself that i don't want to be like that <laughs> like i always want to be kind with everyone that i work with and you know m- ensure that people feel good about working with me and and that they take away something positive from the experience. So, 
Yeah, and and even with the brides, I I have I can't say that I've had a negative experience with any bride, and I've been told that by other you know bridal designers that I know that you know brides can turn into bridezillas, <laughs> but I you know knock on wood that hasn't happened with me, because, and I'm I'm not sure maybe I haven't been doing it enough years, but I really hope that it's because I. I become really invested in each of my clients and I truly want them to be so happy on their wedding days or on their, on the special event day that they're, that they've come to me to dress them for, because yeah, I really just want to do a great job for them and try so hard to make the garment just perfect for them so that they, you know, glow and they feel like a goddess and they just, yeah, radiate happiness on that day. That there is truly helping people. Like you said, sometimes you spiral into those mindsets of why aren't you out there helping more people, but you know that you deeply Mm. are. But what your family has overcome is very inspiring in itself and your passion and success in the fashion industry because it's such a tough industry. It's a great Mm. example for other young ones and families who have come from similar upbringings to you. And I know that something that interests you is the, we spoke about it before, the fashions of the multicultural Australia. Yes. Yes. This is something that just came about recently because I was involved with with an event at the Sydney Opera House. I was invited to present some garments for the Australian Multicultural Marketing Awards and I was able to, I presented in front of around 300 people at the Sydney Opera House, which was just incredible, an incredible experience. And I was able to tell my story and that was just wonderful. And somebody in the audience happened to be somebody who, who had, who's working on this big event called Fashions of Multicultural Australia. And this is an event that's been put together to highlight all of the beautiful work that's being done by refugees in the fashion industry or children of refugees or designers who have some cultural depth in their work, work, which which is going to bring together such an amazing group of people. And this event is going to take place at the Parliament House. So I'm just really excited to be involved with it. And I'm just, I can't wait to meet all of the amazing designers and creatives who who will be involved and, yeah, it will be wonderful. It sounds like the perfect fit, actually, that you have been aligned with this for many, many deeper reasons. Yes, yeah, it's been great it, and, and it just came about. I wasn't searching for it and, and it, yeah, really is a great fit for me. I'm really excited to present some new work, some new designs that I'm working on at this event. Brilliant. We'll be following it closely. I just want to go back. You mentioned there before, I'm really intrigued about people's uh, mindsets and how we deal with the chatterbox of a brain of ours that can sometimes spiral us away from our dreams and visions and you said there that when you go into those those thought processes and those mindsets that you you know how to tune back in through meditation and through the right practices how how did you get into meditation how were you exposed to it what's your experiences like with it ah oh, well I was going through a difficult time. So I'm, I'm currently in a, a brand new studio at the moment that my amazing brother-in-law and dad have been working on for the past few months. Um, they've been renovating um, and laying tiles and gyprocking and doing all these things 
for my space. And that's actually been something really important for me because I needed a new space. I was working out of my home studio and I had been working in this home studio for four years. So it was really perfect for me back then. But then it got to a point where I wasn't growing. I wasn't getting myself out there and kind of being inspired by by art and by just human interaction. And I was, I'd become like a, a little mole, like a little um, cave woman, I suppose, just, you know, in, in this space sewing, but I wasn't, I wasn't feeling good and things weren't going well for me. I, you know, just the way I was interacting with my partner and my family and, I just wasn't happy. I, it was not a good time for me. And it was really because I'd kind of lost myself at that time. And a bunch of things, I started realizing this. So I, I took, got myself out there. I started seeing a psychologist because I, I just wanted to be back to my happy self, I suppose. And, you know, I, I was waking up crying and I couldn't pinpoint why. So I went to see a psychologist. I was engaged in in meditation. So there was a local center that was bringing a Buddhist nun over from the city and and she was doing these amazing meditation sessions. And I actually just spotted a pamphlet one day and I just thought, and this was when I was feeling low and I just thought, this was meant to be, I need to go to this. And, and so I went to a bunch of sessions and it just really got me thinking about, or, and also not thinking. So it got me thinking about, you know, the different ways of, of looking at my feelings and and everything, but it also got me not thinking. And what I mean by that is that it just slowed down my thoughts. At that time, I, my mind was just ticking away negative thought on negative thought and it was just not allowing space for for positivity I I just was not in a good place so then that really helped with that and I think the catalyst catalyst I suppose for getting back to myself was I had a, a car crash I was actually driving to a psychology session so that was me you know trying to help myself and then you know, this, I got into this car crash and, you know, my car was a write-off and, you know, at the time it just seemed like the worst thing in the world that to happen to me and I couldn't stop talking about it and I just, I couldn't move on from it. You know, it was, it was, looking back on it, it wasn't that bad, but at that time I, I just couldn't stop crying and I was already in a low place. So I think, I just made the decision. I said, I have to change something because everything around me is, is, you know, my family is good. My partner is good. I need to, to do something about myself. So I continued seeing the, a psychologist and I continued my meditation and I just started making some changes. I, you know, started going to the gym on, on a regular basis. I moved, finally moved my studio. So I moved my you know, my work away from my home. I started eating well and, and all these things just came together and I just started feeling like myself again. And I started taking control of my life again. I I suppose at that time I was blaming people for this negative way that I was feeling, but then I realized that all I had to do was change 
change my, my mindset and change up a few things to find myself again. And then I just started feeling so good again. And it just, it was wonderful. That's awesome to hear because I think how challenging was it for you to actually reach out for that support with the psychologist? It wasn't hard for me. Actually, at that time that I reached out, I was trying everything. Like I I was kind of, I I just wanted to feel happy again. And I, I was kind of I wanted to try everything. And I said, I think for me, that probably wasn't the best thing to do. But in saying that, I tried so many things that I was able to find what worked for me. So, you know, one of the things that I tried was the psychologist and seeing a psychologist. And in the end, I think that other things may have worked better for me, but I'm so happy that I went to the psychologist and spoke with the psychologist because I think that there is value in everyone that, you know, has a mind, has a brain and any, everyone I believe would, you know, gain value from seeing a psychologist because it's just so positive. It's such a positive thing to just sit in front of somebody who is trained and, you know, who is willing to speak with you or listen to you and just, you know, to, to be able to engage with them and, and tell them exactly what's on your mind. Absolutely. There's a lot of power in that. Like you said, you don't have to, people don't have to uh, wait until we have problems and need help to actually seek that advice to learn from those people. And coming from high performance sport, that's how we utilized our sports psychologists to teach the athletes and us as coaches skills, habits, strategies to implement on a daily basis as also as a preventative. And I've done a lot of work with psychologists and we mentioned Kath Cashel earlier in her episode she talks about Tani the psychologist that she saw it's awesome to Mm -hmm. hear how much you got from them and and to hear you talk about changing your thought patterns to actually not think so much at all and that's the power of what we talk about I had Gregor Schill on an earlier episode and he calls it uh, still power versus willpower Mm. and that ability to so sometimes we really try hard not to think those thoughts but in actual fact trying hard and trying to replace those thoughts with other thoughts can actually spiral even more. So the the still power of meditation and mindfulness and and breathing and all these these tools that mm-hmm. can be directed and understanding. It sounds like your psychologist did a great job of teaching you how our minds work as humans and the fact that you know it's it's not wrong that we have these thoughts and that our mind is like a chatterbox it's just what do we do with them how do we take more control of them and not let them control us so it's really cool to hear you learn those tools and strategies and and even habits that's why I was questioning your meditation because I feel so I do a lot of coaching with people around this space and I'm so intrigued by it and just sometimes shifting people's habits can have a profound impact in their lives because if we can replace time of trying to get away from or change situations and we can create that those habits of that still power that's where the magic can truly start to happen that's so true Yes, yes, and and that's completely right. The my psychologist just shared some really insightful tools with me. You know, in the end, I probably didn't even let her get in too many words because I was just, you know, I'd get in there and just talk and talk and talk. But what what she, you know, the tools that she passed on to me, they're something that I will use 
throughout my whole life. So, yeah, it's it's great. Brilliant. I tell you what, Denise, I've, I've often said on this podcast that I'm really inspired by females and so it's beautiful to hear your story and hear you talk about your mum in the way that she did. I'd love to uh, meet your mum actually and see if she can still throw that newspaper as hard as she was committed to it all those years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am sure she I'm sure she can. She's a little fighter. <laughs> <laughs> now, back to the fashion. I I said it earlier, I'm not joking. I truly am hopeless and I know you're a high-end women's fashion designer, but is there any chance you'd consider making a country bloke from Cobar like me slightly fashionable? <laughs> Do you think <laughs> macrame would suit me? You know, I, I think it could if it if you have the right, you know, event to, to <laughs> turn up to. Well, I am getting married yeah. next year, so maybe you can make. I don't know what a guy's suit would look like in that material. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, now that you mention it, I, I I have been contacted by men for for men's garments, but I recently have been contacted by by a man from Seattle, I think he's from, and he, he wants a blazer made. And, and I'm absolutely excited to do this. Oh, look <laughs> so, at that. It's, yeah. it's the beginning of the, the men's fashion in this area for you as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anything is possible. <laughs> Might have to make it a double layer one for me while I'm here in Sweden and for my oh, trips yes. back here. <laughs> I'll line it with some fur. How about that? <laughs> Although I am getting married in Australia, so I'll probably need uh, one of each. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yep, well, you know who to call. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Denise, what are your visions? What's your big audacious goals with your, your art and your fashion? Uh, I don't really have an answer for that. I I just live day by day and just try to make sure that what I'm doing is something that I'm proud of. I, I'm not the type to say, you know, I want to have a runway show in, in Paris or anything like that. I, I just want to make sure that what I'm doing makes me happy and makes other people happy. That's really, that is my big my big goal. That's such a powerful internal drive and I'm not surprised with the way you are as a person, your humility, your pride, your passion, that that's what oozes through with your visions and goals. Thank you. Well, it's yeah, it's really what I feel. It's just I'm, I'm actually just looking at one of my garments that I've just finished here in the studio and it's just making me smile because I know the person who wears this garment that I've just finished is, is just going to feel good and... And that just makes me happy. <laughs> Might sound corny, but it does. No, it that's, just makes me happy. You know what? That's so much better because we can get caught up in our big goals. And it's whilst it's important to have direction and I teach people and I set goals and I have visions, but the most important thing is that we are enjoying the journey, that we are enjoying what we're doing. So the fact that you can look at that garment with such a big proud smile before it even goes on the person that's I, – I think the person that wears it's going to have a bigger smile than you. So just be wearing that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I think that enjoying the journey is so much more important than just striving towards an end goal. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. Somebody actually said to me once that anxiety can come from losing your path towards your values. And I really believe that because I think our, our journeys, sometimes we can get 
so carried away with all these things that don't matter along our journey. And then we really lose sight of who we are or, as I was saying before about the social media element, you, you just lose your alignment and just taking the time to just make sure that you're happy with how everything's going and, and you know, what your, your true values are. I think that that's such an important part of the journey. You couldn't have said it better and it's amazing to see how much of alignment with values comes out with most of the guests on the podcast and what I talk about a lot is that and it's it's just having a deeper understanding of yourself, who you are, what you're after, what makes you feel the way that you do and that anxiety that you speak of when we look at what anxiety actually is it's actually people we we worry we spend a lot of time thinking about the future and create all this stress and anxiety around that and bringing yourself back into alignment with your journey at the time into the moment is actually ways that we can realign to help with anxiety Mm, that's so true and that actually reminds me of what spoke to me most when i when i just started doing the meditation course with the with the buddhist nun something that she would always say is you know okay we're going into meditation now and she'd say okay, so stop whatever you think when we're in meditation, just block it out because our minds tend to worry about the future and the past, but we tend to lose sight of the present. And that spoke with, that just really was like a light bulb moment for me because I was just sitting there and I was just worrying. I, I just, that was my moment that I just realized I worry so much about what's happened and what is going to be that I just don't, I wasn't sitting and just taking in what was happening. And that just changed so much for me. And when we're in that state of worry, we're not in a state of gratitude where it's hard to be in in an energetic state or an emotion of happiness and joy when we're in that state of worry. And it's quite natural, but like you said, they're the skills and the tools that you learn to to bounce away from that worry and not let it build into anxiety and to come back to Mm. your humble, proud self, Denise. It's beautiful to hear. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Brett. <laughs> now, I'm all about action and I ask all of my guests this question to to help myself and the listeners implement something helpful into their lives. So, Denise, I'd love to know from you what's your advice on what specific action our listeners can take today to become more impactful in their lives and in their communities? I think this will relate back to, you know, the things that I've been speaking about, but so my, my dad said something to me when I was really young and because at the time I, I really wanted to do volunteer work, I just became obsessed with the idea of going overseas and doing volunteer work. And I remember my dad saying to me, Denise, help yourself first. And I was, I remember just getting angry with him and just thinking, come on, dad, this is what I want to do. But now I really understand what he meant. I really think that it's so important to make sure that you are mentally strong and emotionally strong before you go out and, and help others because you will just be so much more helpful 
when you're in, in a positive frame of mind. Absolutely. To be the best person for someone else, we need to be the best version of ourselves. I really like that. Exactly. Now, before we dive into the final question, giving is one of my top core values. And as you know, you've told me that you've listened to a few of the episodes. I give all my guests a gift for coming onto the show. And I thought, what's a great gift for one of our country's uh, top fashion designers who is just busting in the industry, why not give her one of my life teas? And (laughs) I don't think it's one that you're going to be seeing that we'll be seeing on your Instagram feed or on these uh, on these models or anything like that. But Oh, um, I don't know about that. I think that'll have to be something. Oh, how exciting. It's definitely not for the fashion industry, but I'm very proud of them and the athletes that we have involved. And uh, we, you know, we, we raise a hundred percent of the profits go towards their chosen charity. So I'm getting one of those uh, sent to you. So I'm proud to share that with you. But just to say a massive thank you for your time and sharing your value on the show. Thanks so much, Brett. I really appreciate that. I can't wait to wear the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, two part question: Where can our listeners learn more about you? So we mentioned the Instagram. Is there websites and things like that? And also, how can I and the listeners help you on your journey? Ooh, you can find all of my, my my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram, and my website. It's all Denise M. Vera, which that's Denise with two S's. So D-E-N-I-S-S-E, M for Mary, Vera. And, oh, wow, the way that you can help me, is, I suppose, is just sharing the love. If, if you, you know, see my work and and you like it, tell someone about it, please. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> well, I can guarantee you that's already happened from my end and my fiance is just drooling over your garments online. So she'll be Yay. spreading the love as well. <laughs> so, uh, that's awesome. I used to do the fast five questions here, but I've changed that format because I'm really intrigued by who people would want to learn from if they had no restrictions. So one final question. If you could ask just one question to any mentor of yours in the world, who would it be and what would you ask? And this doesn't have to be an existing mentor. It can be a previous one who you wished you'd asked a question to or it can be a world influencer that you'd love to have as a personal mentor. I actually thought about this question for a long time and I... I just could not look beyond my real life mentor. I just thought of all the questions that I'd want to ask and I just kept coming back to my mentor, my actual mentor in life. Sorry, I don't have a like a, a question that I would ask this person or but it it's my real life mentor and I think that I I did want to mention how important it is to have a mentor. My mentor came into my life because she was actually the head designer at a a fashion label that I was working at at the time. And we just hit it off and we are still friends to this day. She's 55. She's Russian, Ukrainian, passionate woman who I can ask anything to, you know, when it comes to, you know, construction things, in in fashion or or even life things you know things to do with my partner I I always go to her and I think it's so valuable to have somebody like that in your life and also like over the years 
a great mentorship, I believe, is when the mentorship goes both ways because you know, at the beginning, she was just mentoring me because she had all the knowledge. You know, I would ask her so many questions. But over the years, now she comes to me with questions and I'm able to help her with, you know, a range of things as well. And so now we just, we call each other almost every day, just asking different things. And it's just so valuable. And I I think it's so important to have somebody like that in your life. Yeah. That's brilliant. I one of my greatest mentors is a female Ukrainian, Irina Dovaskina. She was my coach, she was my colleague, she was my no mentor. Way. She's like my second mother and I know I can imagine what this lady's feedback would be like to you. They're very yes. honest. You don't have to oh worry gosh. about whether they're telling you the truth or not. If you want to know something. Exactly. Yeah, it's a that's a great mentor to have. And I love what you said there about it going both ways. I remember setting a goal mm. with uh, when I started working under Irina as a coach and she's one of the best Paralympic coaches in the world and I thought, okay, by the end wow. of this two-year apprenticeship that I'm doing underneath Irina, I want to be teaching her things because I'm learning so much but my goal mm. is to be good enough to be teaching my mentor things. So that's a great piece of yes. advice to, to add to that. Denise, you are a legend. Your family values, passion, pride and determination are inspirational traits for millions around the world. Keep shining your beautiful soul and humble light to the world. Thank you so much, Brett. I'm really blown away by this experience and thank you for making me a part of this. I'm so excited. I'm excited to see the journey unfold. I'll link everything in the show notes for everyone listening so you can follow Denise's journey and all the best with it. Thank you so much, Brett. What a humble human. I can see now why Kath Cashel connected us. Denise is such a genuine spirited soul. What a chat. From high-end fashion to refugeeism and multiculturalism to Buddhism and everything in between. And Denise and I had a great chat before and after the recording too. You heard her discussing the power of mentors and teachers in her life that have not only helped her in her industry, but also in her deeper understanding of herself and developing mental strength, tools and habits to help her cope with the dynamic aspects of life. If you're keen to know more about how you can learn some of these strategies and become the best version of yourself, jump onto yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash coaching and check out the online interactive program that will enhance your journey. Also, check out the show notes on this episode, either on the website or on your podcast app and follow Denise and her beautiful designs online. And as always, remember... This is your life journey, your life of impact.